Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio. Today, we're so excited to welcome Dino Dave on the show. <laughs> Dino <laughs> Dave is uh, David Liebert. Yeah, he is joining us to talk about his incredible career in the world of music, not only as a musician, but as a producer, as a tour guy, a tour guy. I mean, like really like the uh, rock and roll tour leader. I mean, just actually being in that part of management. He knows every part of the music world. And he's written all about it in his memoir that everybody must read because you're going to laugh out loud. You're going to dig it. Go get it. Mm. It's called Rock and Roll Warrior. It's totally, as the name is perfect. It's out now on Sunset Boulevard Books. You can get it on Amazon, all those places. But I also encourage you to go to Sunset Boulevard Books on their website and also go to AvailableEntertainment.com. That's a good name. Welcome to the show, Dino Dave. How are you? Well, thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I was going to say, what happens if, you know, the Alice Cooper band, Parliament Funkadelic, and the Runaways had a baby? It would be Dino Dave. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> wouldn't, I be, wouldn't I be adorable? <laughs> now, that would be a good intro. I was like, okay. But, but then I started reading. The, I mean, the list is insane of yeah. everyone that you've worked right. with. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But And even how you got your start in music, you know, going back to piano classes as a kid and then going into the Air Force, like what what were you doing in the Air Force? <laughs> I mean, you were playing with big old bomber things going on at the same time as playing a, a, in a club at night. I mean, that's well, that's that kind of a wild start. Demise. Somehow or other, the, uh, the Air Force couldn't seem to adjust to my particular schedule for some reason. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I just wasn't very disciplined. They... Uh, uh, that was that was a pretty rough. Uh, but yeah, I was playing in a band at night while I was in the Air Force, and I was coming in late to work every day. And, and they said, Airman Liebert, you come into work late one more day. Yeah. We're going to throw the book at you. The next day I came in late and they threw the book at me. <laughs> That's it. And then next, you know, you're in music and uh, just you and working in a department store, too. I mean, but then you go like. So I think there's something in that, though, having these different careers at the beginning, doesn't it teach you the business side for what you did, you know, not just as, you know, a musician, but also being in management and all of that part of it? Did that, did those careers help you, do you think? No, what they taught me, <laughs> uh, what they taught me was I, I didn't want to, I didn't <laughs> want that to be my lot in life. I didn't want to. It taught me what I didn't want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, and um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I came to the realization that um, I had a moment of clarity, I suppose, that the only thing that was really going to make me happy was a career in, in the music uh, business. As a musician, I didn't really think about the business then, but I knew I had to do something in music and from that point on, that was my my goal, my pursuit. It, it's interesting, you know, because parents want their children to play a musical instrument, but they don't want them to be a musician. 
I mean, that seems, it's really kind of like that. You know, it's like, go do this class or take piano lessons or violin lessons, but then don't be a musician. Nancy, you did that to me. We we had a band and we've done, we've done some music stuff in our life too. And I remember it was at the end of high school and I started having, you know, my boyfriend had a band and then I kicked him out of singing because he sucked at it. And yeah, he did. then I, I just nosed my way in. And then Nancy's like, you can't, you can't do band stuff. And I'm like, why not? She said, you're going to end up smoking pot. And then I said, well, oh my God. what do you think I've already oh, done? No, not that. <laughs> it's a little late for that. So, you know, back then, you know, so, but she was worried because, you know, what, what's going to happen to a, my daughter? And then that's an it, it, point because, uh, I never really thought about it. Yeah, my mother encouraged me to take piano lessons because she felt I had a certain talent. And uh, yeah, it, it was the basis for my musical career, which she, I remember I said, well, I'm quitting my uh, department store job. I'm going after this music thing. She became hysterical. Yeah. In, in true <laughs> Jewish mother fashion. Oh, you're gonna slip me no, you can't be that. Nancy doesn't do that. That, But that you can't be that like. But yeah, because there's the the rock and roll, thing, especially like well, you know the drugs, the drugs, the alcohol, then not know. no consistency of of finance either. I think that's what yeah. everyone thinks the starving artist, right? And you right. did well, you I lived on ketchup mo- sandwiches. <laughs> um, I I think to my mother it was just uh, uh, it was all just pie in the sky that I I just wasn't being responsible. That's what concerned her about it. Uh, she just thought that, uh, well, he's doing something responsible. He got himself a job as an assistant department mm-hmm. manager at a department store. You know, at least he's, he's heading in the right direction. Yeah. So when I quit the, store, the department store, she, she didn't get it at all. Of course, she ended up being my biggest fan when she realized how uh, focused I was and how hard I was working on it and how disciplined I was about the whole thing. She, she turned around about it, became mm-hmm. my big. No, oh, that's cool. When I was going to ask you and with your songwriting though, I mean, you, you've really got some hits on your belt. I mean, you went from, it's interesting that you went from doing the music side to actually being in the, the business side. What was it that led you from going from that? Cause I mean, Look at your accolades and, you know, everything that's happened. I mean, everyone, he's got all kinds of golden and platinum record things behind him, but you can't see it right now, but he does. <laughs> You've done it, you know? So well, what was let's it hope that- I don't have to smelt it all down someday. Oh, I, think- I know, right? Everybody, hide, get your gold now. <laughs> you got <know>? to <laughs> um, remember, this was 67, 68, and there was a... Um, a, a tremendous change going on within the music industry. All of a sudden, FM radio, which was basically an unlistened to frequency band, uh, just exploded into prominence with the uh, new bands that weren't that AM radio friendly and they were writing albums and playing their own instruments. And everything was, it was just a completely different universe. And I, um, I figured the happenings, the band that I was in, yeah, we had a few kids under our belt, but we had to, we had to evolve or we weren't going to survive. And I wanted to apply what we did best, which was our harmony techniques and Mm -hmm. apply those um, techniques to more contemporary 
uh, more modern structures of uh, musically, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and the Nash were mm -hmm. doing at that time, and the other mm -hmm. happenings uh, would have none of it. They didn't want to. They didn't want to change. They were comfortable where they were, and they felt that they could do that for the next twenty years without hit records. Um, I didn't want that, and that's yeah. why I left. And and at that point, I actually had been managing uh, the band myself, even though I was in it. And that I realized, um, hey, you know what? I could manage other bands and get involved in the uh, in other aspects of the music industry. I was pretty sure I couldn't be a happening forever. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you've written so much for for others too, you know. Jerry and the Pacemakers, the Chiffons, like think about the Chiffons, man. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, so that's just classic stuff. It just, you know, reading about your love of like even doo-wop and stuff, I share that love of, of, you know, just, I think there was something so magical about the songs and the song structure, the simplicity of music and just having it right. And like you're talking about harmony, so important and i feel sometimes we miss that in music it, it gets too cluttered and those are that music had soul you know it still does obviously but there's something about it well if, there, if there's one talent that i possess arguably it was my ability to um structure harmonies which was sort of my job with the happenings as well i was fascinated with Harmony. I listened, yeah, I listened to the Beach Boys and the Four Seasons, but I also listened to bands like the High Lows and the Four Freshmen, Double Six of Paris, Lambert, Hendrix, and Ross, uh, jazz versions of, uh, mm -hmm. of vocal groups. And uh, that was sort of my, uh, my fascination uh, uh, musically. I, I loved, uh, I loved harmonies and uh, mm -hmm. those piano lessons my mother, uh, had me take for eight years that uh, gave me the, the foundation to actually, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> build the basis for being able to, to uh, vocal arrange. What, what do you think about like bands, like rock bands and like prog rock bands, especially doing harmonies? Like you think about like sticks and, and, and bands like that, that do this harmony, but it's like rock and it's, it's almost, Nancy always keeps wanting people to do rock operas. Yeah, but it's with that harmony. Look at Queen, right? They had some amazing yeah. harmonies. They had great. They had great harmonies. You know, mm -hmm. I've had a chance to sort of listen to uh, uh, some classic rock bands. Uh, Queen is one of them. They mm -hmm. were really a lot more um, sophisticated than most people give them credit for mm -hmm. their structure. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, another band that had great harmonies was uh, the Eagles. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's what I wanted to do with the happening. I wanted to apply those kinds of uh, harmony structures to, um, to more contemporary uh, music um, where mm -hmm. uh, the harmonies would be part of it. It wouldn't be the basis of, of it. You know, the, the happenings, the harmony was everything. That's what they did. And we had a really good lead singer in Bobby Miranda. Uh, but uh, yeah, there are bands like Queen and uh, the Eagles, even the Beatles. They had some mm -hmm. great. Well, you know what? And, you know, I look at the Temptations too, man. They did it. They did. They were classic at it too. But then, yep. you know, 
you talk about the Eagles, remember Seven Bridges Road, that song. I know they didn't write it, but that song to me is when you think about harmonies, they really did. They killed it on that one. They they just nailed it so yeah. beautifully on that. And we, we never get to hear that. They keep playing Hotel California over and over I everywhere. Yeah, I'm do. just like, stop it, man. I mean, no offense to the song. I'm just, we. I, I, do you want to ever see radio change up? Like when you get in the car to what it was years ago, because you talk about the, the, you know, the stations, whether it's, you know, TV showing the latest music to actual radio stations. Now they're having these playlists and with us driving across the country, I'm, I'm like, dude, you just played this and you're playing the same set list from the county over. <laughs> you know, I think that's due to the advertising. I don't thing. know, but I heard yeah, a I think NPR the, guy doing yeah, the B-sides the other day and people... Know? Emailing in, telling him to do the other songs. uh, Amazon Music or Apple Music. Yeah, we hear all that. Yeah, Um, I mean, it's a new way, but, you know. That's basically what I listen to in my uh, car. Um, uh, You know, you can, and that's, uh, listen, you can ask uh, Siri or um, um, Alexa. (laughs) Basically, for any uh, song ever recorded, uh, um, um, any artist, any genre, mm-hmm. uh, any album, nearly mm-hmm. by asking for it. I see my little Alexa cube is lighting up. Because I know she's going to answer you just now. now. Alexa, cancel. I don't want her to play every song. I and you know, for 10 bucks a month, who's going to buy a CD today? So I, I understand it. Uh, and I'm as guilty as anybody because I do. I, I'll just ask to hear a song. And and then mm-hmm. they add the, uh, I guess, the algorithm. Uh, you ask for the one song, but then the algorithm continues to play other songs as well. Yeah, that's it. true. That's kind of cool. Like- Spotify does that, too. Like, it gives you some suggestions. So you end up listening to people you don't know. You know, exactly. which is great. Yeah, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, speaking of radio, and now are you going to go on Alice Cooper's show and talk about the book? Have you done that, or are you going to? Like, I want to um, hear that interview. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, we're we're trying to schedule it right now. Um, he awesome. uh, he's been very very supportive. He took this picture in full Alice Cooper um, uh, makeup and costume. Uh, with the book looking like shocked at the uh, uh, at what he's reading he's really a very <laughs> generous giving supportive guy and uh, cool. uh, so that cool. that was that was very nice of him well he he you know i think it's interesting what he's done we we were in greeley colorado of all places and there's a couple who have been on on they had their own tv show um that does all the costumes and does all the really weird stuff for sets. And um, they did his, one of his tours, we were there. We weren't allowed to take photos or anything because I mean, they had like bloody babies and all kinds of stuff in there, like demons <laughs> and weird. weird there was stuff. just a bunch of weird stuff. And we weren't allowed to photograph that because it wasn't out on tour yet. Right. And so going and seeing what they were doing, it was just really um, to me, amazing how much thought goes into the production of like this show. It's not like a gig, right? It's like there's a gig no. and you go and show up. This is like 
mass production and yeah so every little creature that these people were creating um you know that i mean these these things that they were making were really well thought out so it was when you did billion dollar babies which was one of my first albums i bought of alice cooper i yeah. uh, did when you went on tour with that i mean was it like that was with all those sets and and all the props and all of that stuff it was um I think Alice was the first, Alice Cooper was the first band to carry their own production. I'm, I'm talking about sound, lighting, mm -hmm. uh, staging, all the props and uh, all of the uh, costumes and all the monsters. You know, there was a Cyclops, there were giant spiders, there was uh, cool. all kinds of, <laughs> uh, that was always part of the uh, Alice Cooper uh, production and yeah it was uh, it was very complicated and it, it took a lot of uh, a lot of thought to create all that stuff and it, and it took a lot of uh, uh, it took a lot of effort to make it come off properly every night yeah it uh, it didn't happen by chance that's for sure a lot of yeah. thought to the process yeah it was distortions unlimited that's where we were i had to look that up real quick that um who does all those props and it's like wow and you know when you think about going from being in a band and then doing like shows at, at different venues and then doing that kind of level, I mean, that's a, that's a, to be a, a manager of those kind of things and be part of that. That's a ton of work. I mean, how did you balance it all out and not freak out? Like every little thing has to happen for the show, the lighting, the sound, the props, the, the musicians. And that's like herding cats, getting musicians all together on stage at the right time. That's hard. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, I had really, really good people uh, working for me in the in the uh, in the production. The band too. I mean, everybody understood um, what it entailed to get this show off, and everybody was very much into their jobs to make sure that everything uh worked perfectly and and the band too i mean uh, the band realized that they couldn't be prima donnas uh they had to be on time they had to be ready to roll uh otherwise it would affect everything and everybody and uh mm -hmm. i was a tough guy i wouldn't allow anybody to, uh, much slack in that respect you know they can you know, they can party all they want. Uh, you know, basically the rule is you do your job, whether you were a musician or a tech, uh, a tech person. Uh, you, you did your job as best you possibly could. And the rest of it was, you know, you could do whatever the hell you want. You can party, go crazy. But you had to do your job. Um, Show up. Yeah, it was, it was you, you know, everything had to work perfectly. Everybody depended on everybody else. So, so what, uh, what come, but come on, people do have drama, right? I mean, our band broke up on stage in front of everybody and all, they had like a big old fight right there. <laughs> Drummers wanting to stick drumsticks in places that didn't belong, or maybe they did belong. But <laughs> I'm just saying, actually, now that I think of it, he should have done it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, funny. yeah, I mean, it's just the, the, the band drama and, that and can people happen. The audience thought it was an act. Yeah, they thought it was. And an they act thought it was, was real. a really funny thing. We we had a full on. Clap I'm glad I didn't manage your band, Lisa. I'll tell you that. <laughs> they, it was like a nightmare. 
But we were in a theater. We were, which used to be, it was in Julian, California, in in San Diego, Diego, up in the mountains. And we were in the theater at the Pine Hills Lodge. And that was the old (laughs) sparring ring for Jack Dempsey. And then next thing you know, our band decided to be Jack Dempsey, but they weren't good enough to to (laughs) spar like him. So that, I mean, did you see any of that kind of stuff? I mean, just the tensions between bands, like the bandmates. Wow. So everyone's professional, but us. <laughs> you weren't allowed. You simply uh, were not allowed that luxury. You couldn't be that way. If you were a, yeah. a tech person and you were that way, you got fired instantly. No one was going to tolerate that. And if it was a band member, I think I mentioned in the book uh, you know, more than once, hardly ever, but I guess a couple of times I had to break some band members uh, hotel door down to get them up and uh and rolling you know so you get to the next town that rarely happened and when it did happen um that person that band member was subjected to the silent treatment everybody was angry at them no you couldn't uh <laughs> it, it just didn't work not when you have 40 50 people on the road and everybody has a uh, the responsibility uh, mm. of an important job no you, you, there was just no room for that. Yeah. yeah and what about a, the group drummer too. and the, the drummer and um, the rhythm guitarist that they were they were having did, a they fight. were having trouble playing together. <laughs> yeah, but we did you're find out about, later that, that our band. guitarist was a yes. rapist. Yeah, and was in jail. So there you go. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> but but what a, I mean, what about all the groupies too? I mean, how do you manage that? Like, we had <laughs> rules. We had groupie rules. Really? Oh. Yeah, um, you know, because we had our own airplane taking us from town to town. That's cool. It, yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful way to travel. It's so easy for, uh, you know, to entice a girl to come. Hey, you want to want to come to Denver? We're going to Denver. It was just a, a great prop to, uh, <laughs> you know, to entice a girl to, to you know, to come with uh, either a roadie or or a musician. Uh, what they forgot was as soon as it got the next town, there was just a whole new slew of girls there. And uh, one of the rules was if you took a girl on that plane, she had number one, be 18 years old and prove it. And number two, you owed her a ticket back from where you got her from. I don't mean oh, wow. to sound so cold and heartless, especially in the, you know, the me too uh, uh, era yeah. of it. Simply listen, uh, it simply wasn't that way in the in the 70s. Uh, uh, womanizing on on tours was flagrant, and uh, uh, nobody really thought too much about it. And I guess from our perspective, everybody seemed to be pretty willing. So what was the problem? Of course, that's absolutely unacceptable behavior today. Mm-hmm. But this is then. That was now. Right. Um, you know. So uh, so if a guy. Uh, took a girl on the plane and he met another girl and he would go up to another roadie and say, Hey, you know, that girl that I took with us. Uh, yeah, well, you can have her now. <laughs> yeah. She's, now. she's available. So I would have to hold um, a tour court on the plane to decide what percentage of the ticket, uh, which person owed uh uh, oh my to pay for the ticket to get that girl back from where she came from. And, oh, my uh, God. 
it was, uh, and, and um, uh, if there was anything contentious on, on the road, it was that. Yeah. Um, you know, hmm. well, I was, you know, I was, I never really got to sleep with her and she was with Joe for three days, and, you know, oh. so they would, they would uh, argue their case. And, and then I would decide which percentage of the ticket each guy would have to pay. That oh was, that became rather. Uh, That's uh, funny. That yeah. it is, I'm sorry, but it's funny. It is. And, and because I honestly, girls that are groupies, they went there for that too. You know, come on. You know, they, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying it was like, that is part of that whole thing. But then what about the plaster caster sisters? Did you ever meet them? No, no <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know all about them and I met them late, you know, much later on. But, uh, yeah, but it was were, all about showing up. Totally unacceptable naughty. behavior today. But, you <laughs> um, know, then it was, nobody really thought about it. You know, am I being, uh, uh, am, you know, is this womanizing a bad? Nobody really thought yeah. about that. We were just looking to have fun, and you know, none, yeah. And none of the girls seemed to mind. They were nobody forced them to be there. Exactly. But there was also that that era too. I mean, of just well, that know, was the hippie it. movement too, and all of that. And yeah. so when you did Woodstock '99, right? Didn't stuff really go down at that Woodstock? Like. All kinds of craziness went down at that at that concert, right? It wasn't like Woodstock back in the day. This the Woodstock one. You opened the book with it, and I just I remember all these reports that that didn't that just go wild, like people got out of control in the crowds. Uh, the or original I the wrong one? No, the the one it was ninety nine. That oh, I was there. Yeah, um, I you know it's funny because. Um, uh, I missed a lot. I was there with George Clinton. Yeah. And, uh, God, I love him, by the way. He is like, mm, yeah. yeah. That was a, that was amazing. That was the biggest crowd he ever played, I think, oh. uh, that evening, mm. 100,000 people. Um, and then we left the next day. And I think all of the really horrible stuff erupted just after we left. So we didn't see a lot of the... Uh, you know, horror that there has been documented. Uh, it just seemed like another festival, a big one for sure. So we didn't mm -hmm. see a lot of the, we simply weren't aware of some of the stuff. That yeah. Was like Altamont, that went crazy. I mean, that was supposed to be, hey, Woodstock did this, we could do this here. And that went, that was really bad. Listen, that, you put enough people in one place at one yeah, time. Well, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the chances of something horrible happening, uh, uh, getting increasingly uh, possible with the size of the crowd. Mm -hmm. sure. What do you feel like now with crowds and good? The, the concert thing is it's it got really big and then it got to a point it was like too big. And then also the way the ticketing is done. I know right now, look at Live Nation and Ticketmaster are kind of go. Well, they are the same baby, right? Yeah, and that's become a big deal, and yet, and then when we had, you know, COVID first started, the whole thing of not being able to see live music was just a lot of good music came out of it. But damn, that sucks! Not having live music—that's one of the worst things on the planet—is not to have live music. So I think it's coming back, but it's it's different. It is, it is coming back, and it is different. And uh, I thought that during COVID. 
um, that there would be a um, a burgeoning market for live performances on TV, either mm-hmm. pay-per-view. And there is a little bit of that now. I, uh, I, I've seen a couple of shows. Um, uh, uh, who did I see the other day? Oh, Christina Aguilera. Uh, mm. I, thought it was, I thought it was terrific. Awesome. Um, but, you know, I don't go to concerts. The only concerts I go to now is if I'm invited. And, uh, I get invited backstage. And, you know, I'm an, I'm an old guy now. I, uh, You're in the high desert of California, though, in Southern California. Do you ever go to Pappy and Harriet's? Up in Pioneer oh, Town? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Is that not uh, a badass I, venue? That is one of the I coolest love, venues. That's a, that's, a, that's a great venue. Uh, and I do go to shows there. But, of course, um, it's not like going to the Staples Center, you know, it's much mm-hmm. more. Uh, yeah, I love Pappy and Harry. Listen, I don't have all that many friends uh, out here. I'm sort of reclusive. I live here with my girlfriend and, uh, and my three dogs. And uh, we have few friends, but one of the friends I have is this uh, lovely couple, John Sortland, who's a drummer for the Shins, mm. and his and his girlfriend, who is a bass player, uh, and she goes out with Albert Hammond Jr. when he does uh, uh, solo tours uh, outside the Strokes. So we go to shows every once in a while together uh, at uh, Pappy and Harriet's. Yeah, I love that venue. It's it's it, it's a lot of fun. It it really is a cool place. We missed Ryan. Ryan Bingham was on our show a few years back, and we missed him like by a second going there, which really sucked because yeah, I, I mean. We used to go to when we lived out there. We used to go to Pappy and Harriet's when we could, and it's just one of those unique places. I think that's something when you know, as a musician, and then also being a tour manager, and you know everything you've done in the business. Don't you think the the venue is there's something about the atmosphere, not just the acoustics, right? But there's there's something about an atmosphere of a venue that just makes it special. Like there'll never be a Pappy and you can't franchise Pappy and Harriet's. No, no, that would ruin it. No, you're you're right. Uh, certain venues have a certain magic, <clears throat> and you can feel it when you walk into the place. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Pappy and Harry's is is uh, certainly one of them. I occasionally go to um, Fantasy Springs in India, which is a oh, bigger yeah. venue. Um, every once in a while, and I'll get invited to, to a show there. So. You know, I'm, I can have dinner there and then hang out backstage. I think the last show I saw there was the Hollywood Vampires with uh, Alice Cooper, Joe Perry, Sweet. and Johnny Depp. Man, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Listen, the Hollywood Vampires, that is an amazing band. And listen, Johnny Depp can play. Yeah. That guy can play. Like, really, I, I think he's, he's amazing. Yeah. I just love all of them, though. But their stuff is good, you know, yeah. being together. I love it that. Was a, that they, it was a great show. I, re, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And, um, you know, the last time we, the last band we saw out there was actually at the Morongo Casino, not Morongo. It's outside Indio. If you go on the other side of Joshua Tree National Park, you'll, you'll go to the casino there. And we saw Blood, Sweat and Tears and um, Fantasy, mm-hmm. probably Fantasy Springs, right? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Maybe. It was one of the casinos. Blood, Sweat and Tears. And then, oh my gosh, who did American Woman? Ah, they their name always Burton escapes Cummings. me. Yeah, they, we we saw them. They were in the same bill, yes, and too. it was like, yes, 
Guess who? Yeah, Thank guess you. Who. Guess who? That's it. And man, it was just like, it was just classic stuff to go and see, you know? I love it out there. I miss that whole area. But so touring, like if you were going to go and do a tour now and manage a band, who would you want to manage? Nobody. <laughs> no. If I, uh, I don't know, you know, if, if a very big act called me, I guess I would consider it. But uh, I'm enjoying my life of leisure now, hanging mm-hmm. out, you know, cool. out here desert uh, uh i don't really have to get out there and earn a living so mm. i and you know i'm gonna be 80 years old in a couple of months well happy birthday early yeah <laughs> thank you thank you so i'm not anxious i'm not really See, really- you can be in the rock and roll industry and kick butt and have a good time eventually if, if you survive <laughs> listen if a big band call me you know i suppose if uh but it's never going to happen. So, but, you know, I mean, if Taylor Swift called and said, uh, could you uh, put our production together and, you know, would you be the tour manager? You know, I would have to think about it, I suppose, if the money was right. But they're never good. People like that have their own people. And uh, I'm not really anxious. Look, I've done so much. Um, I work so hard for the better part of uh, five and a half decades. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy to be relaxing on the couch, talking to you, cuddling with my dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you well, know, that's I've, your reward, you know? Right. Yeah. Somehow or other, I don't know how, but by the grace of God, somehow I landed on my feet. And uh, mm-hmm. for everything I've been through um, is a miracle in itself. Mm. No, it, it's, it's an incredible not career. History at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Being in the arts, whether it's painting or uh, singing or, you know, being in the arts is a really difficult thing to survive it and actually make money out of it and not compromise who you are. You know, stay true to your your um, craft the way you want to. Right. Well, that's an important thing. I've walked away from situations where I could have made terrific money, but I just didn't like the circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it, mm. uh, and in retrospect, I'm, I'm glad I did. I, there are certain things you really don't want to compromise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm. and I tried very hard not to. Mm. You, you know, I'm just, I, when I think about like Taylor Swift, like that's not my thing, you know, not, <laughs> no offense to her, just not my thing. Um, but I mean, she got, 10 billboard hits like the top 10 she cleared the top 10 and i'm going how did I mean, the happen? beatles didn't do that like wh- how how did she get 10 number one like how did she do that like 10 the top 10 all 10 i mean that's amazing, amazing. actually yeah. you know yeah it's amazing i think i think all of that is is much more easily manipulated at this point look people mm. uh, very, very yeah. few people can sell albums. She's one of them. She's like the biggest star in the world. She's um, smart. She's very smart. She controls everything. She's in total control of uh, of her career. And uh, yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. how she got so smart. I mean, uh, <laughs> she. Um, I don't think she had any schooling, really. I don't think she. Uh, no, she got. She did. She did her. She was really smart in high school. Apparently, I think her. Parents are smart. 
like parent, up there, yeah. and she and she was into business management and accounting and all of that, like all that stuff. And I'm sorry, but you know that's a creative brain. I know people don't think accountants are creative, oh, yes, but if you don't creative. have a creative yeah, one, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> they're very creative, <laughs> and sometimes they end up in jail. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, that's creative. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, it's creative. You have to have a, all lawyers and accountants need to be creative. Otherwise, don't have them. But yeah. yeah, I mean, but she is, she, I read something about her, like, I think she was going to college, you know, while she was rising up there, she was not, um, not going to not get her degree or something no, like that. Because she, she's really well-spoken. She's very articulate. And mm-hmm. obviously she's, she's, she's very intelligent. So I was just wondering about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, there is an, it is, the industry has just changed so much. That's why I think it's so fascinating of your story, because you've been through a lot and seen the industry change from, you know, records, records to uh, to now digital downloads and streaming. I mean, that's a big I mean, we've done that in the magazine world. I mean, we used to copy paste and when Nancy had the magazine in South Africa, I mean, we used to typeset with actual typesetting stuff, which doesn't exist now. And that's the same in the music industry, how much we've changed. You know, it's wild. It's wild. That it's to, a different universe today. But yeah. you are an amazing writer. Your memoir reads. Yeah, it's so much this. fun. So like much I, fun. Don't, I don't want to like I. I it, you want to keep turning the pages, but then you don't want to because it's so delicious. Like you don't want to <laughs> eat the whole cake, but you want to eat the whole cake, and you want to well, eat it all you. now. Thank so you very that, much. It's so much fun to read, and I love that you're so honest. It is so refreshing to have someone just be straight up honest. And um, it well, just you is really take the good with good. the bad. You know, I, I felt I had to put it out there. And, uh, uh, you know, some of it isn't candy coated, that's for sure. No. But also, I, I sort of bent over backwards to try <clears throat> and not throw anybody under the bus. <clears throat> uh, mm. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and um, and also, I, I guess there was a process. You know, when you write a book, you have to decide, do I really want to put this in the book? How is that person going to feel about it? There are a lot of considerations when you're writing a book about what you want to put in the book. Um, yeah. There are a lot of decisions like that. And also, I didn't want it to be a salacious tell-all type of uh, type of book um, I, I wanted it to be more uh, about uh, what it was like to be a fly on the wall with these famous people uh, I wanted it to be more introspective and, and I wanted it to be informative uh, for people reading it and I wanted it to be uh, amusing for people reading it mm-hmm. oh, there's, well, it's there's also good very stories. honest it's very honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes That's- it very believable. And I think it's going to help a lot of people that are interested in being in the music industry. Mm-hmm. I think and that. surviving I think, it. I think, you know, musicians should, are mm-hmm. going to, you know, love this, obviously. And, and music, I mean, anybody in the, in, man, and who doesn't love music? If you don't love music, like, stay, stay away from my car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like but every music lover. I mean, it's like, it's like, who haven't you met? I mean, you, you have Prince. I mean, 
and, and working with Sheila E., who I think is still one of the best drummers on the planet, her and She's Cindy great. Blackman, too. Yeah, Cindy, Cindy Blackman. She, Sheila E., I remember as a little girl watching her, mm-hmm. not too little, but, you know, teen, yeah. teenager, watching her because you never really got to see women playing drums and just how she, I mean, she just, she has like fire. Like she's like on fire. She's like, yeah, look she's at me. She's a hell of a saxophone player too, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's well-versed I mean, in several instruments. And, oh, this is the, I, I have to bring this up. You talk about Miriam Makeba and Makeba and we lived in South Africa and her music was like a soundtrack for, you know, just, I'm, it's in me. You know what I mean? You grow up with her. We talk about, and, she was oh did you ever get to meet her ever just no she was just so no god she's amazing i was a huge fan of hers i remember mm-hmm. the remember the click song the click click yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep you know, I, you know when i was younger when i was a teenager um i used to listen to this new york jazz show symphony sid he was the mm-hmm. dj and he played a lot of uh, stuff that influenced me. He loved Miriam Akiba and he played her. He played her. He played Nina Simone. I'm trying mm. to think of the women that, that Sarah Vaughn. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm. I came to appreciate the, um, a lot of these talented women. They were so good. And Miriam, and I never, you know, it only, it was only like a little while ago I realized she was married to. Hugh Masekela, and I didn't, I don't know why, because I was so interested in music, you know, it's not like we had Google when I was a kid in South Africa, but her music was so big, and so, she was just so larger than life with her voice, and whenever people talk about singers, I'm like, go to her, that's this voice that you can't, there's no one like her, ever, I mean, it's just that pure, mm, she just, she she was, and she was a good person who did a lot. You stood up for the right things, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just, as soon as I saw that in your book, because no one, I don't hear anybody talk about her, you know, I don't know. I, just, I feel like I'm alone in the on the planet knowing about her, but I know she was famous and did a bunch, but um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. Just, and it's amazing. Go from Mary McCabe to Alice Cooper, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I hear that you possibly this this memoir of yours could end up on the big screen. They're kicking it around. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, be I fun. think. Oh, dude. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, wow. seriously, like it has to happen. It has to. Well, I hope it does. Uh, they're they're kicking around an, uh, um, about op- uh, an option right now. And, and that would be the start of it all. And uh, yeah, that would be terrific. Uh, um, I, 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 you know, I, I have a feeling, who knows, but I have a feeling that it may not be me, but it may be about a person like me. I'm not sure how this is all going to turn out, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Oh, it's one of those based mm. on, based on this like the based on mm. kind of this was based yeah. on this story, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah. but still, still your story. Your story's cool, and you've you've worked with so many people. Um, Carmine, 
Epis, am I saying it correctly yet? And when he was on our show, I still screwed it up no matter what we did. Like I still messed up his name. And he just he just looked well, at me like, odd, you know, you know, Carmine, he refers to his last name as a piece, Carmine Apiece. And his brother, Vinny, refers to himself as Vinny Apice. So so Oh wow. Yeah, they pronounce your last names differently. And by the way, um uh, uh Carmine is one of my very closest friends. He and his uh, girlfriend Leslie. Uh, he's he's lovely, funny. Lovely people. Well, Vanilla Fudge, like, he, and he said that he's going. He's doing more with Cactus now. And we interviewed him. I think it was last year, Nancy. Was it last year or this year? I, I can't remember. It, who knows? I don't keep track of time anymore. But it's he was out in he was out in Florida. Yeah, that's where he, he's based. Yeah, he, he, and what a heck of a conversation we had. He told us told me how to take care of my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he's he's the most entrepreneurial mm-hmm. musician I've ever uh, worked with. He's got the yeah. hanging and banging show. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, yeah. He's, yeah. he's a trip. I mean, you've worked with so many people. It's got to be so, living color. I'm, you know, yeah. They're one of the it, greatest live bands that ever existed. I love those guys. Yeah. So George Clinton. I mean, the funk. Like seriously. That is huge to me personally. I just there's this energy of fun, like that. It just I I I I want that. Like that is what we should have <laughs> to chill people out because everybody's all angry. I mean, we're recording this on voting day. You know, everyone's just all yeah. pissy with each other. But yeah. I kind of feel like we need that funk back in music. Hey, what did George say? Ain't no party like a P funk party, and a P funk party don't stop. Mm-hmm. Flashlight, and, it, <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, there's nothing like a P Funk show. I mean, the way the audience engages in the whole thing, and it's it's really uh, it's a unique feeling, something to behold, to be in the middle of a of a P Funk show. I mean, the oh, place man. is just rocking, and it's positive. You know what I mean? It's it's. It's got yeah, the it's sex part of in it, but it's feeling it's, good and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, get down with yourself. You just get to stop, you know, get rid of all the other stuff and just have a good time. You know, and your it's mind like, and your ass will follow. Uh, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. On that note. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a true delight having you on the show. Everyone. Uh, David Liebert is the name, the book. Rock and Roll Warrior, go get it. It's out through Sunset Boulevard Books. It's on Amazon, all those places. Go yep. to AvailableEntertainment.com. That's a good name, Available Entertainment. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, straight up. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> get it now. Uh, we do have to thank our sponsors, which uh, are Steve and Karen Wilson, who own and run the Lion and the Rose Bed and Breakfast in Asheville. They said they are like major music people. And they run a, a bed and breakfast that's this Victorian mansion, but it ain't like your grandma's. Nope. If you love music, go hang out with them. They no dusty here. doilies. There's no dusty <laughs> doilies. You go in, it's historic, it's beautiful, but they are super cool. When you check in, they give you a glass of home-brewed beer, and you get to play with their dogs, and they do a lot of dog rescue, too. So I know they're going to be happy to sponsor this because you also are passionate about dogs and their dog people with Ozzy and Oreo. They're two little doggies. Mm -hmm. So everyone, lion-rose.com. If you go to Asheville, North Carolina, 
stop by and say hi to our good friends. And of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you.